0: Well, it seems hard to believe, but our uh, present summer sermon series is uh, drawing to a close. Here in just a couple of weeks, uh, we'll be uh, having the Kentucky Derby in one form or fashion. And as they uh, say at the uh, Kentucky Derby every year and down the stretch they come, we we find ourselves heading down the, the stretch as it relates to the Sermon on the Mount as we have gone through uh, this important uh, bit of scripture as we have heard uh, from Christ directly as we have considered his teachings i uh, i hope that you have been challenged as as i've been challenged and and that all of us have uh, taken the opportunity to consider what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom in the end the very things that jesus uh, teaches uh, there in the Sermon on the Mount work to draw us uh, to a deeper understanding of what it means to be a citizen of his kingdom. For a lot of reasons, I I hate to see us uh, move on. It, it, one, means that the summer is uh, is drawing to a close. It's also good to be able to go line by line, chapter to chapter, passage to passage, I just hate to move on from what is the seminal teaching of Christ. And I've heard that uh, same from from other people. They've enjoyed uh, us uh, putting our focus on the Sermon on the Mount. You know, there's nothing like digging in on the teachings of Jesus. I encourage you to continue to do that, to continue to study the Sermon on the Mount, to to continue your study of the other teachings of of Christ and find your life strengthened. Every good sermon has uh, has a, a rousing conclusion, a conclusion that stirs the soul, that offers plenty to think about, and a challenge to be different. Christ provides that in His Sermon on the Mount. As Jesus draws things to a close, He not only gives us a lot to think about, but He challenges us to no end. So let's hear this from uh, from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 13 through 23. Let's hear this from God's Word. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? May it be a deep and abiding blessing to each of us, not only as we hear this word read, but as we make effort now to take our lives and apply them to this word. May God bless us all. Well, the road of life is filled with one crossroads after another. That's just simply a part of the journey. Robert Frost, in his famous poem, The Road Not Taken, writes, Two roads diverged in a a wood, and I I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Life gives us plenty of opportunities to, to go one way or the other. Life is fraught with all sorts of decisions, and those decisions go a long way toward determining the course of our lives. Author and pastor James Merritt states that Decision determines direction, and direction determines destiny. Contrary to popular thought, all roads don't lead to God. As with any journey, we need to be careful about the decisions we make and the directions we take. In wrapping up his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus challenges us about the direction of our lives. He does so when he talks about entering the, the narrow gate. He contrasts that, that quick snatch about the entering the narrow gate by saying wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. The gate that is wide is the one chosen by far too many. It has great appeal. It has an alluring quality to it. It invites us to, to come on in. It is essentially the way of the world. You and I know all too well that the things of this world have their appeal. They have a way of uh, drawing us in. They are only able to satisfy to a a certain extent. Jesus contrasts that by talking about a gate of of a different sort. Jesus talks about a narrow gate a gate that even though relatively few choose to walk through, when they do, there is hope and promise for life. For those who are on the outside looking in, the way of the straight and narrow, as Christ puts it, looks right restrictive, particularly in in light of all the world seemingly has to offer. Yet for those who have experienced the joys of of living in Christ's the way of, uh, of the narrow gate doesn't feel all that restrictive. Life in Christ is life indeed. Those given over to Jesus experience a, a brand new freedom unlike any other. The world no longer has the same sway. The weight of sin no longer is the same. That's the way it is when we experience Jesus. In effect, Jesus is saying to you and me when he talks about entering through the narrow gate he says hold on to my teachings and live them out and you will enjoy my strength you will live life as God always intended for you to live it Eugene Peterson puts things this way in a, in a paraphrase of the Bible called the the, the message he writes, Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. Don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life to God is, is vigorous, and it requires total attention. In talking about the narrow gate, Jesus wants us to stay attentive to the things of God. In talking about the narrow gate, Jesus wants us to be aware that not everything we hear is gospel. In talking about the narrow gate, Jesus wants us to be careful about undue influences constantly trying to draw us away from God. A fellow spent his life on the road going from town to town. He was once asked how he decided where to go when he came to a fork in the road. And the man's answer was really quite simple and to the point, I simply put my back to the wind. Well, Christ would want us to do otherwise. He wants us to keep our gaze upon him. Jesus wants us to be our guide. As we walk through uh, that narrow gate, and as we uh, stay on that narrow road, He longs for us to keep our gaze on Him and to let Him guide us. Enter the narrow gate, says Jesus. And upon heeding His invitation, we will find Him guiding us every step of the way. And so Jesus uh, talks about entering through the narrow gate. In verse 15 of, of Matthew 7 Jesus uh, begins to, to shift gears just a bit he, he begins to, to talk next about uh, about false prophets we'll see the two uh, linking to one another in in, in in just a bit what what Jesus says about false prophets and and what he says about uh, entering the narrow gate Jesus though do- launches into this discussion about those, false prophets, and he, and he says we need to look out for them. We need to be careful about those uh, we listen to. Jesus asserts that when it comes to those attempting to speak into our lives, and let's admit it, there are all sorts of voices that are making every effort to speak into our lives, we need to first and foremost consider the fruit they bear. Those people might say all the right things but fall woefully short when it comes to living them out. Jesus likens false prophets to wolves in sheep's clothing. While they might appear innocent at first glance, they really are quite threatening. The, The thing about wolves is this. They hunt tirelessly and persistently. They are all about praying on the week, They hunt in, uh, in the dark of night so not to be seen. They certainly aren't to be trusted. We need to, to look out for wolves in, in sheep's clothing. Jesus knew that there would be all sorts of people who would try to, to, to twist and, and turn what he had to say. And that those who followed him would need to be on guard lest they fall for what those same people were saying. We need to be careful. We need to to test everything by what is is shared in the Word of God. It's always the, the best test of all. Counterfeiting these days is on the rise. Those that are trained to identify counterfeit study the real thing way before they begin to uh, to to study anything that's counterfeit when it comes to spiritual things if we acquaint ourselves with the truth then those things that are less than truth will be evident every time paul was keenly aware of such things he he writes in second timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. Peter also uh, speaks uh, about such things. He does so in, in 2 Peter Chapter 2, verse 1, he writes, There will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the the sovereign Lord who, who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Watch out for false prophets, says Jesus. When it comes to such people, we would do well to look for character, Instead of charisma and, and charm, you can't always tell a book by its cover. All that glitters is not gold. I love the story told of the, of the farmer who was convinced that his goat could very quickly discern a person's character. The farmer claimed that he could put a photo of a person in front of his goat, and the goat could tell from the photo whether the person's character was good or bad. The goat ate the, the photos of the, those thought to be good and headbutted the photos of those that uh, the goat thought to be bad. Well, the farmer even relied on the, the goat to assess the character of the young men who dated his four daughters. That didn't always go very well. For Jesus, the assessment of a person's character rests with a person's fruitfulness. You will know them by their fruit, he says. The story of Jesus cursing the fig tree in in Matthew 21, 18-22, right after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, reminds us just how important bearing fruit really is. Fig trees can look all well and good, but unless they bear fruit, they're pretty much good for nothing. Jesus had little patience with fruitlessness, whether it was a fig tree or a false prophet. In the same vein, he has little patience with a lack of fruit born in our own lives. And we need to consider that. Jesus challenges us, just as He challenges those who talk the the talk but don't walk the walk. In the end, Jesus wants us to consider our own lives and the sort of fruit that we are bearing for His kingdom. And in considering our own lives and how we measure up, we are immediately drawn back to our earlier discussion of the narrow gate. The discussion about that narrow gate and, and and the discussion about false prophets, particularly as we consider our own lives and how, how we are bearing fruit, they they really begin to harmonize. In considering our own lives and how we measure up, we are are given over to to considering how we are wholly given over to Jesus. On the inside and on the outside, and how that plays out as we move through this journey of life. Jesus asserts that it is simply not enough to say He's Lord, but to live, to live as if He is Lord. Just like we are called to, to do with false prophets, Jesus calls us to continue. Continually consider the sort of fruit that we're bearing. If we are faithfully offering ourselves to Jesus, we will be bearing the fruit that is becoming those who are faithful followers of Christ. The fruit of the Spirit, as Paul lists in Galatians 5:22, will be evident for all to see in our lives. You know that great passage, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of, of the Spirit will be evident for all to see. The fruit of our labor will also be evident. People will be drawn closer to God because of our efforts. People will be be helped. Needs will be met. And those on the margins of life will be encouraged. The fruit of the Spirit will be evident, as well as the, the fruit of our labors will be becoming those who are followers of Jesus. As Christ says in Matthew 25, 40, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. When we find ourselves uh, reaching out to the least, last, and lost of this world, fruit will be born for God's kingdom, and in that, fruitfulness will be attached to our lives. It's a dangerous thing these days to pay lip service to the things of Christ while not offering Him life service without offering Him our lives day by day. It all comes down to us giving ourselves to Jesus. In his book, Radical, David Platt challenges his readers to consider two fundamental questions. Do you believe in Jesus, and are you going to obey Him? Do you believe in Jesus, and are you going to obey Him? How you answer those two questions has tremendous effect upon the direction of your life, has tremendous effect upon the, the fruitfulness of your life in regard to the furtherance of God's kingdom. In regard to our own journeys, the decision to follow, the desire to be faithful, and the resolve to remain obedient to God is critical. What we decide about these things is is fundamental to all of life and in fact informs everything that we do. It all starts with the fundamental decision of believing in Jesus and of seeking to, to be obedient to His call upon our lives. And according to Jesus, what we decide about such things has everything to do not only with this life, but also with the next. Just as Jesus talked about the the lack of character exhibited by false prophets, He challenges us about our character as well. A character that hopefully reflects God's good work in us. It's simply not enough to say, Lord, Lord. It comes to us to follow the will of God. Our lives depend upon it for this life and for the next. And so it comes to you and me to decide, to decide what road we will travel. Two gates stand before us. One is wide and the other is narrow. There's really not a lot of gray area in between. Behind one gate is the appeal of the world, which falls short every time. Behind the other is is God's way for our lives, a way that brings peace, a way that brings purpose, a way that brings the promise of Christ now and forevermore, a way that brings fruitfulness for God's kingdom. And so it comes to us to decide, to decide what gate through which we will travel, whether that gate would be the narrow gate that leads to life, or the one that is wide that leads to destruction. Which way will you decide? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the challenge of your word. We thank you for the challenge of your Son, We pray, God, that uh, as we consider that challenge, that we would uh, find ourselves considering our own character and even more deeply our own life in you through Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that we are uh, deeply in love with you through your Son, that we are wholly dedicated uh, Uh, to you through him. We pray, God, that uh, with each and every step that we make along life's journey, that we would uh, fully uh, consider the road that we're on. We pray that you would always uh, draw us to the very road that you would have us to travel. We pray that with uh, every decision, that we would, uh, would find ourselves walking through the narrow gate, all with the, the deep desire to please you and to honor your holy name. Lord, we do pray that uh, you would work in us and through us to bring fruitfulness to our lives, fruitfulness that clearly is at work to bring, uh, bring a furtherance to your kingdom and that also gives you honor and glory. So God, do with us what you will. We pray that we remain open to you, and that as we are sent forth, may we know of your blessings deeply as we seek to do your bidding for our lives. This prayer we make in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.